to dot 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 with me Meg also known as the Dungaree Doodler. It's the podcast where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth and parenting. My aim is to share unbiased information alongside a bit of friendly chit chat to ensure that you head into parenthood feeling confident and excited for what's to come. If you're new to the podcast and would like to know more about me then go and check out the very first episode for a little introduction and a big chat on hypnobirthing and then the following episodes for some great birth and parenting preparation. If you love the podcast, you can now leave me a little tip to say thank you via buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes. A huge thank you in advance if you choose to do this. Before we begin, I also want to remind you that I now have a pre-recorded online course, which is a full antenatal and hypnobirthing course that you can sign up to and work through in your own time. There are over 30 different modules to work through, each made up of video content with PDF downloads, hypnobirthing MP3 tracks, relaxation tracks, journaling prompts, birth plan templates, birth partner checklists, checklists, and so much more. It's only £37, which is an absolute steal, but to celebrate the launch of season two, you can use the code podcast for 20% off, which makes it just £29. Just click the link in the show notes or head to my website which is thedungaredealer.co.uk and head to the online course page. In this episode I chat with Joy who is a fellow birth worker at birth to beyond link in the show notes as always. We're chatting about her incredible bunch of births so Joy has had not one but two home births after two cesareans. In this episode she chats about her incredible and in her words redemptive second home birth, how she prepared for it and she talks about how birth is like a marathon. As someone who has actually ran a marathon, I myself cannot comment on this. She also talks about tuning into her instincts and we talk about the importance of movement during pregnancy and beyond. And we also talk about radical acceptance in pregnancy, birth and parenthood and how powerful this is. It was absolutely wonderful and her story gave me goosebumps many a time. So I hope you love listening as much as I love chatting. Enjoy. Right, we're going. So, hello and thank you for joining me on the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself first? Yeah, hi Meg. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I love talking about birth stories um, and usually it's other people's, so to talk about my own um, for a change is really nice. It feels, feels self-indulgent, actually. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it, as like doulas and birth workers, it feels almost like we, we never get to tell ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's really nice. Um, so yeah, I'm Joy and I am a, a birth worker. I'm now a doula. Um, I'm a mum to four and I'm also a running coach um, and I am chair of Central Cheshire Maternity Voices Partnership. Um, but that's sort of a, a new thing. You know, I've, three, four years ago, I was an engineer. So, um, <laughs> you know, I very much swung around and am fully cemented into the birth world now. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. It's so funny, isn't it? Like the, the range of backgrounds, because most people don't immediately go into birth work. It generally is they've had some sort of career before. And I love hearing what other people have done before. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because usually it's either they've had an incredible birth experience or a really dreadful one that really shapes them into being like, yeah, I need to, I need to work and with other women and people and help them. So yeah, there's generally it's not nowhere in the middle. It's either like incredible or horrendous. I never want anyone to experience this, or everyone needs to experience this. Absolutely, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about your fourth birth but did you want to give like a little bit of background to your first three how you got to the point of 
the fourth one that we're going to talk about. Yeah, um, so I was, my first birth, I was pretty young. I was um, back in New Zealand, um, which is where I grew up, and I I was only 18. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't think the age made, sort of had a, hu- a huge impact on it, but it definitely contributed to me going into it perhaps even more blind than I would have 10 years down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had the pregnancy, it went fine, there were no complications. In New Zealand, you have continuity of care, so you get assigned a midwife, and that's your midwife, so that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, she was really cool. Um, but yeah, the pregnancy, uh, it, I went into spontaneous labour at 39 weeks, um, and then it ended up being a hospital birth, and it was um, textbook intervention to birth, so um, on my back, on a bed. Um, I had five people from like my partner's family in there with me because I thought that was normal (laughs) that's a lot of people (laughs) they asked to come and I was I was like okay great again the the things I now know (laughs) um it's really like not rocket science why this birth ended up how it did (laughs) um but yeah I mean it wasn't anything um insane I I ended up on my back I was in a lot of um distress I had an epidural and baby um didn't like that. Uh, we had some D cells, bit of fetal distress, and then uh, went to cesarean and labor cesarean section. Um, and it definitely at the time felt very traumatic, um, and it felt like very much an emergency. Um, I really struggled with breastfeeding after that, but again, didn't seek any support. I just thought I was bad at that. Um, and then a couple of years later, I got pregnant again, and interestingly was I don't know because I've done no research I was very adamant that I was going to have a VBAC so vaginal birth after cesarean um so I I knew that I wanted that but I did I changed absolutely nothing in my approach um so um just thinking like oh it was a fluke the first time I'm sure it'll work this time uh and in between this this is when I moved to the UK and so I moved when I was 30 weeks pregnant which I don't recommend wow a, a long distance move as well, right? It's not like an hour down the road. It was, yeah, it was a bit of like a hop, skip, and a jump. That um, and it was interesting because my first experience in the UK was with maternity services. So I essentially got off the plane at 30 weeks and walked straight into a booking appointment. And completely different model of care here as well. Um, so that continuity of care was, it was not the demonstrated model I was confused because I went in and met with someone and then two days later it was someone else and I was like oh god who's gonna be there when I have my baby yeah no idea um, <laughs> oh no yeah um so it was all a bit weird and it was it was definitely like terrifying and interestingly I went um and I'm air quotations very overdue um with this baby I was 42 plus six um and still absolutely no signs of labour. And hats off to me. I declined all the sweeps and all the bits and bobs being thrown at me. Um, so I'd done a little bit of reading. But, yeah, just this baby did not want to come out. But there'd been a massive move. Yeah. And, you know, I also had no family around my grandma to support me. So it's not exactly the most safe feeling in the world. No. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but same sort of um, experience. I went to hospital um, and got sent back quite a few times, being told I wasn't in labour. Um, 
just not conducive with making me feel good. Uh, and then, yeah, that, that birth in particular was, was pretty, pretty dreadful. Um, I was declined, you know, things like pain relief and I declined the cesarean when it was put, put to me because they said that my baby was in distress and they threatened social services. And, um, I ended up signing on the dotted line for the cesarean section. I really struggled with that, um, but that was really pivotal for me, and I'm really grateful I had that experience because it's really shaped me and into what I do now. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I saw how wrong it can go, and you know, and, and without that experience, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. After that, I um, we we decided that we wanted to have another child, but it, it was interesting because this time this we were like, well, we'll actually, plan it, yeah. <laughs> and. and and it took ages, you know, just how life works sometimes, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I learned how getting pregnant isn't just something that's really straightforward. I was really lucky the first two times. Um, so, yeah, almost almost two years of actively trying to conceive, and it was really stressful. And then we booked in the appointment to get some assistance, and then the next day I found out I was pregnant. Oh, yeah. So, I've um, heard that from quite a few people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like as soon as you release and let go of it, or you, because by booking that appointment, I, I, it took so much of that responsibility away from me. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people too. Um, and this pregnancy was so different. I really fiercely knew that I needed to change my approach. <laughs> I pulled all of my notes, so I got all my notes from New Zealand Hospital and the one from the hospital in England, and I just started going through them, and it's incredible. There was 155 pages of notes for these two births. Wow. And I don't know if you've ever read doctor's notes. You probably have, (laughs) and they're impossible to read. (laughs) It took me a long time to decipher what was going on, but I found some sort of common themes and the notes saying that the patient or myself was being obstructive because I, I kept asking to get off the bed um, and the, the, my first cesarean um, birth and I kept asking to get off the bed and it said the patient's been obstructive and she's not um, listening. We've told her she needs to get back onto the bed. Um, and then in the second one, the same thing, uh, you know, it said that um, I mentioned that I wanted to move and that I was really uncomfortable being on my back, but that they couldn't get access to put the clip on whilst if I was in any other position. And so I just saw these themes of being like, you know, these births were really sedentary. I was uh, unable to move. And after both cesareans, I was told that I had CPD, which is, you know, essentially your pelvis is too small. Um, so these babies wouldn't have been able to come out. Um, three different doctors said the same thing to me. Um, and I believed it, right? Of course you do. Yeah. Why would yeah. you not? Why would they lie? Or, you know, and then also I think sometimes, because I've heard that from people before who've had cesareans and then being like, oh, but it's okay. And I think sometimes it becomes a thing to cling on to. Like, oh, it was the right thing. Yeah, and I definitely think it can really validate that experience. At least, at least on the short term, it potentially yeah. is even helpful. Long term, it left a lot of question marks about why my body was unable to to do what it was, you know, built to do. Um, CPD is incredibly rare and as you and I both know, it's incredibly over-diagnosed. You can't diagnose it by just operating on someone. (laughs) It's not that straightforward. Um, So 
yeah, with knowing that, I did a little bit more research, and that's when I started um, looking into um, biomechanics and birth and hiring a doula and what did I need to do to be able to have the birth that I, I knew I wanted to have. And I think for me, I was really lucky because I never had that belief that I couldn't do it. After I had that first cesarean, I knew I wanted the VBAC. And then after the second cesarean, even more so, I knew I could do it. Mm-hmm. So I just had that innate knowing that it wasn't me that had done something wrong here. Um, and just reading those notes reaffirmed it, you know. Um, yeah. So um, I hired a doula, um, and I hired a doula because I needed someone on my side, is what it felt like at the time. Yeah. And I just wanted someone to be singing from the same hymn sheet, really, because all of my appointments, my international appointments, were really difficult. Um, Even after having two caesareans, even if you birth in a hospital, you know, most consultants are not keen. You know, it it flies up this high-risk red flag that it, it is, which is misinformed, but it's very much still the norm in most hospitals. So... Um, I hired a doula, um, Jade Lawrence. She was amazing. Um, and she was local to me. And from the first phone call, it was someone also telling me what I already knew, which was, you can do it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I told my um, fiancé at the time that I definitely wanted the back, but I hadn't broken the news to him that I also wanted a home birth. <laughs> <laughs> Take it one step at a time. <laughs> yeah. But I, the more and more we... I was talking with my doula, the more and more I realized that for me, the risk was stemming from the, the intervention of being in the hospital. Yeah. Um, and there's a risk in whatever we do, um, but there's also, you know, there's a risk in staying at home or there's a risk in unassisted birth, but there's also a risk in going into hospital and whatever choice you make, whatever's right for you is, is different for everyone. But for me, I knew, I knew that going to hospital would lead to another cesarean. So I went down the home birth route and it was really difficult because I did engage with um, the home birth team um, under our local trust. They were really supportive, but finding a consultant that was on board was really tough. And I knew I didn't need them to be on board, but it was nice to have. And at this point, I hadn't had a baby vaginally. So I I did want someone to, you know, to guide me if I needed that guidance. Um, thankfully towards 38 weeks I did change consultants I said I was sick of the person I'd had before Um, and I found an amazing lady at our local trust who she I walked in told her I was having a home birth and she was like great (laughs) okay I'll see you when you've had your baby (laughs) and that's that was brilliant you know she knew I was informed and she knew that like yeah it's just birthmen it's not didn't overcomplicate it um and yeah, so that was sort of one of the things I changed. And I also, I introduced movement, not just into labor, but into the pregnancy. Yeah. I'd been really sedentary through my first two. Um, and I knew that if my baby's getting stuck, which was the reasons for these cesareans, so they were both back-to-back babies, um, which at the time was pathologized. I was told that that was a bad thing, but um I was like, if it's a positional thing, then I need to try and do whatever I can to create some more space. Um, And I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was just intuitive with it. I I just, you know, I did all the spinning baby stuff, um, my daily forward leaning inversions, and that was all supported by my doula. She was great with optimal positioning. 
and I walked a lot. I started spinning. Um, I was on the spin bike every day up until 39 weeks. Um, and I did a bit of running and stuff and I felt way better. And my pregnancy was just so easy. Like, you know, I didn't, I had, um, terrible pelvic girdle pain with my last two. I was almost on crutches towards the end of those pregnancies and just none of that. Um, so the movement really helped just generally. Um, and also just with mental health, you know, like, yeah, it was amazing. Um, uh, then at 39 weeks, my waters broke, which was crazy because that had not happened with the last two. Um, and I chose not to tell the midwives um, because I knew I'd be put in a clock. So I just kept an eye on myself by myself. And then about 24 hours later, contractions started. Um, and it was textbook. It was, I went for, we went for a walk whilst my contractions were three or four minutes apart because they'd been like that for a while and I knew that I'd, they'd been like that for a while and I knew I wanted to get things moving a bit so we went out for a walk it was beautiful mm. um we came back from that walk and I was on my hands and knees transitioning <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah my doula came the home birth midwife came and my baby was born in the pool two hours later um so that was amazing and it was really straightforward um, it wasn't the redemptive birth for me because there was still quite a lot of intervention after she was born. And I, I again, knowing what I know now, I, I would have changed how I'd approached it. Um, so she was born and she was a bit shocked because um, I think she did get a little bit wedged on her way out. I was on my back in the birthing pool um, and I changed positions and she was born. But um I never thought there was anything wrong with her. My intuition told me she was perfect, mm-hmm. um, but everyone else was just panicking because, as we know, babies take some time to transition into yeah. the world. <laughs> um, but my home birth midwife was really freaked out, um, and she yeah, so she took the baby and cut early, cut the cord early to resus. She was crying before she even got to the resus bay. So. Yeah. Um, so that's really the only thing that, that dampened the experience for me retrospectively, because then I, I learned, I always said, why was it that everyone else in that room was so worried and I wasn't, Mm -hmm. and you know, it sounds so silly now, but I finally realized like, oh, it's because there wasn't anything wrong because the only person in that room who knows if there's something wrong is the, the mother or birthing person who's got that biological connection right yeah 100% but it's so hard in that moment to especially I imagine in that bed when you finally got that birth that you had been dreaming of to then at that point be like yeah everything's fine and then someone grabs your baby like you can't speak up almost at that moment that's when it's so hard to be able to say something because you're not like you're not using that part of your brain are you like we know that you're not it's even like especially at the moment of birth you're just all you're focused on is yeah your baby so for someone yeah, to then so try horrible. and do something, you can't just go, hang on, wait a minute. I mean, some people can, but it's incredibly difficult. <laughs> yeah. And again, because we're constantly getting these different narratives sent at us that make us question that instinctive um, voice, you don't know what's what. And I think it takes a long time to be able to unravel sort of what we've been conditioned to believe to get back to that. Um and I, me and my partner, we joke so much about it because we've just gotten better at birth the more kids we have. <laughs> and because we've just undone, we've just undone so much of what we think we need and gone back to what we actually just, like, are, 
you know, just back to basics. Um, I, again, I, I'm really like lucky that I can look back on the birth experience and learn something from that um, um, because of the work I do. Um, but my fourth um, baby, we, we were like, I really wanted a, a, you know, the last child and my other half was not so convinced, but we had a seven-month-old, so that's kind of what was why he was not convinced, yeah. right? <laughs> but I, yeah, I think it's, I had this feedback and I, all of a sudden, my whole life changed. I... Uh, my confidence, um, how my mental health, everything. My, our breastfeeding was not easy, but it was, you know, we, we did it. We, yeah. I, I knew I'd already done the work for the birth and the birth happened, so I knew if I put the work in, the breastfeeding would happen. Uh, even though I thought I trusted my body, it wasn't until after having that birth that really that deep connection and trust returned. And So everything just got easier, and I was like a powerhouse. I Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and that's when I started seeing this correlation between how we birth and how it shapes us as people, like um, postpartum. Um, so I wanted another kid straight away. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have another one. It was so fun. Um, uh, yeah, even though the first words that came out of my mouth after I birthed her were never again. <laughs> <laughs> very intense. It was very intense. Um, so, um, luckily he, uh, my partner just sort of, sort of semi jumped on board and we fell pregnant in one cycle. <laughs> I was breastfeeding, you know, so like walking, talking example of why that is not, does not, not hold you know, up. <laughs> um, and yeah, at this time I, I did the same thing. So I just, I didn't hire a doula this time. Um, interestingly, um, and yeah, that's interesting because I thought that I'd, that had served its purpose, which was to get me the birth that I needed. And I didn't realize at the time what other roles that they yeah. can encompass. So that was interesting. But um, even so, I was, by this point, I may as well have been a qualified obstetrician. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't need any information. Um, but I really led into just trusting um, and just going with the flow. Um, I ran every single day all the way through my pregnancy. Um, and... It was just, yeah, it was easy, and I knew that I would home birth again. Um, interestingly, um, even though I'd already had a home birth, the hospital still didn't want me to have one. <laughs> really? I mean, I think really, it's not actually that surprising, is it, when you know, when you yeah. work with people giving birth, but it's still quite shocking to hear. It's ridiculous. Like, I actually, like, laughed because I went in. So I, I sort of went to these appointments to humour them because more out of like an interest to see how it, to navigate it. And I think everyone's different. I totally understand why people choose not to go to these appointments. Yeah. Um, but knowing what I knew and knowing how they can affect you, I, I sort of felt okay to do that. Um, and it was wild. Yeah. So to say I'm having a home birth and they were like, Oh, you've had two cesareans. Um, so it's really dangerous. It's, some of the stuff that they come out with, with when it comes down to two cesareans as opposed to one with the risks is just absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, and I had all of this, I statistics memorized off the top of my head, all the nice guidelines, all this stuff that I'd had for years in my head. And so I asked them like, well, can you give me the information? And they were just absolutely gobsmacked when I told them that actually they're completely wrong. And here's the evidence and cited the paragraph and line of, which you shouldn't have to do, by no. the way. <laughs> it's not your job, it's their job. 
um, and I reminded them of that. But they, yeah, and you know, they never ever noticed the fact that I'd had that vaginal birth at home. That didn't matter. It was just mm. if you've had those two cesareans, so you'll forever have that stamp on your head of you're high risk. And yeah, so um, but that was fine. I said like, you know, what, I'm doing what I'm doing, so I'm just coming here in case I if something changes and I feel like I want some support, then. That's great. Swapped consultants again to the lovely lady. Um, <laughs> she was like, yeah, cool. See you later. <laughs> and why are you here? Actually, with her words, why are you here? You don't need to see a consultant. Um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. You don't hear that yeah. very often. <laughs> brilliant. So brilliant. Um, and those are the those are the um, obstetricians that are really, um, you know, gold standard. Yeah, right? 100%. Um, yeah, so um, we still had the home birth team with us, which was cool. Um, but this time, it's—I really, um, I really sort of knew that I didn't want any help at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it was amazing. Um, I, just, I ran, like I said, up until the day um, that I had her, and so I felt really good. And it was again thirty-nine weeks. Um, and I started getting surges. I had a really long latent labor, but I've had really long latent labors with all of mine. And it's because I believe of their position being back to back, slightly drawing it out. But I knew that I knew that it, that was cool. I knew that my baby needed a little bit of extra time to rotate. So I really loved those overnight surges and contractions I was getting because I knew that they were doing their job yeah. um, and that all I needed to do was support them. So, so you know, like opt- optimise um, them doing their job. Yeah. Um, so just making sure I was lying in, you know, a good position to keep my pelvis open. Um, I approached birth like I do my marathons because – I think they're really similar. They're both endurance events. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've never run a marathon. I shouldn't really comment on that. But, but it's what they I imagine really it's like. Similar. And if you give birth, then you can run 100 Um So I fueled myself constantly. I was really kept up with my hydration, my food, even when I didn't want to, want to because yeah. I felt sick. I knew it was so important. Um, and I just approached it like I would approach anything like that, like a sporting event. Um and methodical with my movement I the next every morning I would get up and go for the walk and then I'd come home and have productive rest make sure I was resting and I would do my hypnobirthing stuff and really connect with my baby and back to myself and then I'd get up and do some more movement do another forward leaning inversion and and then on night I think it was five nights of of that um, and I felt good because yeah I was up all night with these sort of contractions but I really was just allowing it and knowing that it was okay um as opposed to resisting it and being like oh my god why is this not happening still um yeah and I knew it was normal for me so it was cool and um yeah on the fifth night um things um they started I knew it would happen at night because I knew that my melatonin would support it sort of ramping up um and that day in particular I'd had like a show and I started like a little bit of bleeding and stuff which again I you know, it was quite a lot of blood, but I knew it was fine. My gut was like, yeah, it's cool. So I didn't tell anyone about that. <laughs> don't need it. It's not, I'm not stressed. I don't need midwives to be stressed. No. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, I think baby's going to come tonight. And the NHS had dated me, like, for my scans to be due on, like, the 28th or something. But I'd already always known that she would be born on the 20th. Um, I had the 20th in my head and was like, okay. So she's, it was the 19th at this point, and I 
said, okay, she's going to come tomorrow. So um, we didn't know it was a she actually. Time. But I did actually, but we didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so I put the babies to bed and I knew as soon as I put them to bed that things would start um, doing their thing. And yeah, put them to bed, the lights went off, they started sleeping and then all of a sudden things started really like getting intense. I was so excited um, because I just, I just know that that intensity is what you need. And just by reframing that, I was just like, come on, like yeah. waiting for you to get stronger and more powerful because I knew that that's what I needed to be able to get my, get to my baby, right? Um, so I really, really focused on relaxing into them. Um, and again, the uterus is a huge muscle. Um, I do not tense up whilst I'm going on runs. It really doesn't help the case. Yeah. <laughs> and the same sort of thing, just relaxing Um I spent a couple of hours dancing. Um, I found moving through it really helpful. Um, did a lot of dancing and I had my comb, which I thought was awesome. Um, and yeah, they sort of slowly got closer and closer together. Um, and then at about 10, 11 PM decided like, Oh, my other half needs to get some sleep. And so sent him to bed. Uh, and I, decided to try and go to bed myself and 11 p.m. I realized I was just too uncomfortable um I'd been sort of laboring on all fours on the bed so I decided to get up and go into the shower um and I was realizing at this point that I would like things to speed up I was getting a bit tired and I decided right I'll try and change positions and do some work to see if we can help this baby um and so I sat on the toilet dilation station backwards yeah <laughs> and I put a pillow over the system um and I, I sort of lay there as soon as I sat on that toilet it was like unbearable <laughs> yeah <laughs> so intense I was like oh no oh hell no I, I don't like this <laughs> I had similar in my bath like I went I just went for a wee I wasn't even going there to just sit on it I literally went for a wee and I started crying <laughs> And I was like, no, 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 no. They cried and immediately got up and then was fine again. But it was horrible. It is so intense. <laughs> and, you know, when we look at, like, how your pelvis opens when you do sit on a toilet like that and how your pelvic floor relaxes, like, of course, like, you yeah. are, everything is opening. Yeah. That baby is in an optimal position to start moving down. Um, but it was very alarming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I moved off the toilet and then into the shower where I had the water on my back and I was sort of leaning against the side. Um, and I used that to sort of bring me back down from that, ah, tense yeah. state that I was in on that toilet. But then I knew I had to get back on the toilet and that's kind of that surrendering that is really tricky. And I, that's why I compare it to running because you have to, it's when you acknowledge that you have to go through that really, difficult part to get out the other side you, you know if you keep holding back from it you're, you're not going to get there or you will but it'll just take longer yeah 100%. Uh, and it's, it takes a lot of courage I think it's it's really scary um but I knew that I had to get back on the toilet and to sort of allow that sensation and you know so I did that for a, about an hour and a half I went back and forth onto the toilet um as soon as I felt that panic or that stress, I would then move back into the shower and reconnect with myself and back and forth and back and forth and 
time passed really quick like that and it was amazing um and I did it all by myself and it was quite like a sacred sort of I remember it really clearly um and then I went back to bed um for a little bit um and started thinking like I started having these doubts coming into my mind being like man this is really intense eh like <laughs> like maybe I can't do this <laughs> Like, it's so funny because like I know what I know and I knew what I knew but I still was like nah I don't I don't like this anymore like I don't think this is this is this is cool so I was like I'm gonna get the midwife out to come and check me and on all my birth preferences it's always been no vaginal exams for me I knew it was not gonna help me yeah um and all it's gonna do is um either put me on a clock or or introduce infection or whatever else but um, I just really needed someone to tell me, like, because um, I'm doing all this work, I'm on the toilet, off the toilet, I'm like, am I anywhere, is anything happening? Should I try and prioritise sleeping right now or should I continue with the movement? Um, I don't want to wear myself out to the point where I have another, like, three days to go. Um, so the midwife came, she's amazing. They're so, so cool. Luckily, I had a really good relationship with them. Um, so she's like, are you sure? You, like, she's like, I you know... I don't think we need to do that. And I was like, I said, I know that you doing an exam is not going to help me at all. And it could derail me. And I'm still, still asking you to do that, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So she was cool. So yeah, she, she checked me and I was three centimeters with bulging waters. So it didn't really tell me anything. Um, Like what do you do with that information? Uh, And in fact, if anything, I feel like there is this perception that if you're below like five or six, then you're not really in labor. And even as a birth worker, I know that that's absolute bullshit, but it's still a narrative that's long, long, like, you know, ingrained in your head. So if anything, it told me, okay, you're probably not that close. (laughs) So, So great. Well done, Joy. Awesome. Like, good good decision (laughs) um so she left um that was about 3 30 in the morning she left and um I went decided to go back to bed because that that told me that I was not close got into bed and I just started freaking out like just freaking out and I was like I want to go to hospital I want to go to the hospital I don't want to do this every contraction was just crippling me um and so I said to my partner I said it's time I need to go to hospital I don't want home birth anymore and he was like, okay, it was amazing. He was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to call the midwife, I'll call the hospital, you, you're doing amazing, whatever. And he shut the door. He said, I'll be back in a second. And he called the midwife and he said, look, she's transitioning. <laughs> <laughs> you need to come. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's like, the baby's going to be here soon. <laughs> Um, and it, that was the, the, you know, what he told me afterwards and the midwife told me afterwards, it just like proves how much he was really listening, you know, through that yeah. journey and observing and how much he trusted it as well. So from the guy that was like, we had like so scared about having a home birth to, yeah, it was awesome. Um, and so the midwife turned up not long after, um, and I had moved into back into the shower at this point. And by the time she got there, I was making these noises at the end of these contractions like (laughs) (laughs) and I looked at her and she looked at me and I said I think I've just transitioned (laughs) (laughs) I was like I was like because now I'm not scared yeah I was like like, 
can't believe that even with knowing what I'm knowing, whilst I was in that, I still like couldn't just yeah observe it. It's so interesting. You can't you can't rationalise it. It's insane. Um, even like when I had my second, I was already like I'd already trained to be a doula and a hypnobirthing teacher, and even in that transition bit, I had no idea I was in it. Like, no idea I was in it. And then afterwards I was like, oh, of course I was in it. <laughs> so obvious. It's wild. <laughs> but it's so helpful, isn't it, when you're preparing um, people to birth, when you explain that no yeah. matter how much we prepare for this, <laughs> there is going to be a moment where you're going to not think you can do it. No matter yeah. how much we tell you that that's normal. It, you know. um, yeah, and the same thing actually with pushing, because before it had a vaginal birth, people said, like, you'll feel like you need to poo. Yeah, <laughs> and when it happened, I was like trying to get out of this birth pool. Like my life depended on it, and my midwife was like, "No, no, 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 it's okay." Like I was like, "I really need a poo," and she's like, "Okay." She was really good to be fair because I she knew that I did not need a poo. Yeah, <laughs> and but she was like fully prepared to like support me in getting out because I was really freaked out. I was like, "Oh my god, I really like I really need a poo." <laughs> <laughs> And it's just crazy because again, I had so much preparation. Everyone yeah. told me it would feel like that, but until you've felt it, you just—it's wild, man. Yeah, you need someone else to be able to spot it. That's why, like, your birth partner, but your partner then did amazing because oftentimes, like, you tell partners, and you're like, "Are they even taking this in? Like, it's really serious. You need to be the one." who can yeah. notice what's happening. Otherwise, they're just... As so many other people in that situation would have rang that midwife and been like, we're going to the hospital. So many other people. It's really important. And when we when I talk to a lot of my clients, I went with talking to the birth partners, saying, like, if you don't sit into anything, what I need you to sit into is when we're talking about transition because yeah. it is pivotal for you to be able to gently guide through that um, and understand that there is a difference between transition and a mum having like an innate knowing that something is wrong. Yeah. Um, and that takes time to be able to like learn your partner like that as well. I think. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's a massive responsibility, and yeah. yeah, I um, I yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do it without him. So amazing. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was in the uh, shower at this point, and my midwife kindly brought some gas and air up stairs for me uh, on my request um and then she was observing me from afar um didn't she didn't even talk at all she was awesome um and yeah she at one point she just in between a contraction she said do you want to have the baby in the shower that's fine if you want to have the baby in the shower we can stay here if you feel safe that's great and I sort of looked at her and I knew that I need to get out of the shower. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to have the shower. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay. But, and then I had this moment of clarity where I needed to put a bra on. It was so weird. It's the, weird, it's the weirdest thing. You can be in this most intense zone and then you come up out of it. And yeah. yeah <laughs> like, so I went and put a bra on. I don't know why. Weird. And then walked downstairs um, where we had the birth pool set up. It was beautiful. And we had a sofa there. And um, I, remember not really knowing what was going on and then all of a sudden realized I was in like a lunge position um and it was like weird I don't know why I'm in this position um just put one of my legs up on the sofa um and then there was like this big pop and my waters went yeah um so obviously I trying to uh, I was clearly opening my pelvis on that side I suspect Bubby's um, back was rotating down that way and yeah hopped into the pool um and it really wasn't very long before I 
started feeling a lot of stinging. Um, and we've got it all on camera. Uh, my mum zoomed in from New Zealand. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like I really wanted her to be there for the birth, but it didn't work out that way. So she she, yeah, she jumped on Zoom. My partner set all of that up whilst I was in the pool, which was amazing. <laughs> uh, and then, she, yeah, so she was on Zoom. Like, again, I, I clearly, like, don't mind being observed to, to that extent. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I, I remember saying, like, it stings, it stings. And I just remember hearing my mum's voice saying, that's great, that's a good sign. <laughs> They're so close. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, um, I just remember the feeling of really wanting to get her over and done with, which is the same feeling I had with my first. Um, I've never been one of these that can control my breathing at that point and I teach everyone to but I, I just yeah <laughs> just get out <laughs> um so one like in one push she she came out and um just the most amazing feeling in the world um just yeah so slippery and amazing I just uh, yeah it's so cool I just yeah I think just for that feeling I would do it a hundred times over. yeah but um magic <laughs> it's incredible uh Oh, so amazing. And, yeah, she came up in between my legs. Um, she had a nuchal cord. So her cord was wrapped around her neck. Um, and I could feel the I could feel the midwives twitching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can hear on the video, they're like, oh, she's got a cord. You just need to pull it. And I was like, yeah, I've got it. Yeah. 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 And I just slowly, like, you know, lift the cord around her neck. And um, I just um, – <laughs> I'd moved – it's interesting. If you watch the video – I instinctively moved into the centre of the pool, like away from people, yeah. and was creating this space because um, I was like, no one is taking my baby. <laughs> um, and she was really quiet again, and I just kept her under the water um, and brought her up to my chest finally. And we didn't know what the sex was, and so I had my partner who was very, very excited. You can hear him <laughs> hyperventilating <laughs> in the background. <laughs> um, and then he starts asking, like, what, what is it? What have we got? And I was still in my birth pause yeah and so you can see me again move away from him like I, I was so like I had my arms around her and I was just not letting anyone into my space including him the poor thing <laughs> it was really and I was like in the video you just hear me going just give me a second <laughs> like seriously like come on guys yeah like, just I've just brought life into the world like <laughs> hold <Yeah>. on <laughs> hold on a tip um and yeah, I came around today. Um, it just took a lot. It must have been the longest, like, few minutes of his life waiting <laughs> to hear what we had. But um, I eventually told him that it was another girl, and I was so happy. Um, and my mum announced the time, so she, I heard her say, "Oh, it's five minutes past five, Joy." Um, um, so that was really nice because no one actually recorded the time. Um, <laughs> I was so, I so quietly birthed her that the midwives weren't aware that she'd. Um, born and then um yeah she was so born at five minutes past five on the first day of spring on the 20th of March like you knew <laughs> like I knew she would be born then um and then yeah um the midwives um kept kept their distance which was awesome um and then my placenta um just came on out after it wasn't very long um and I popped that in a bucket and I said oh by the way placenta's here and again the midwives were like ah <laughs> <laughs> like it's no big deal like it's it's cool like they don't see um, it every day <laughs> yeah but they were just like really alarmed that it either birthed the placenta and not announced it yeah 
it was like, but that was, I mean, I just birthed the baby. The placenta is really a non. Yeah. <laughs> the slides are <laughs> after. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then um, it was really, really cool. We, it was like, we had a really good, like, golden hour and stuff. Um, we got out of the pool and it was interesting. I um, so everything was like there was no intervention, um, but then I did keep. I did have an issue with my bleeding. Um, my gut told me that it was okay, but I, it was it was a few hours. We couldn't. It just wasn't slowing down. Um, and my midwives were amazing. They really just kept asking me what I wanted to do, and um, we did lots of palpation of my tummy to try and help it, which was not very comfortable. Um, and then after a few hours, I did start, my gut felt like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling amazing anymore. I do mm-hmm. think that this is, this is possibly a little bit too much. I think they'd said by that point, they'd estimated it was, a, it was over a litre. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'll have the injection and see if that helps. It's like a stepping stone to having to transfer, which I just, I was like, no way, man. No. <laughs> um, so I opted to do that and yeah, sorted it out, sorted it yeah. out. Fine. Um, so I'm grateful for that. I don't, and I don't regret that because that was the right decision for me at the time. And I'm grateful to have, to be lucky enough to have a midwife who understood it, that it was my choice and, you know, wasn't telling me that I needed to go into hospital. Um, so yeah, that, it was really, really good. Um, I had another tear again, and that is, I know, because I pushed my babies out really quickly. <laughs> but also, I don't apologise tearing anymore. I know that we're designed to tear. Some of us do, some of us don't. Yeah. Um, and it's all good. I healed beautifully and was running three weeks later, and, you know, um, it was amazing. Um, so my reflection on it, it's interesting, my reflection on it is that if we were to have another, which we are not, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, we would have an unassisted birth. Yeah, um, but that's just because I know I don't need, I don't need it. Um, and I was still in that moment she was born. I was still navigating them, you know. I'm still, yeah. still trying to like keep my space. And so it just for me, it's just an added. Don't need that. So yeah, yeah. it was amazing. And I, um, the only thing I really changed, like I said, is the movement, both in the pregnancy and labour, and just my approach so just making sure that I was informed and sometimes being informed is just deciding to disconnect from the services and sometimes being informed is not doing that and that's cool um but I do believe that we are built to birth and I do believe that we live in a sedentary like like modern society where even when we try to exercise we're we're doing that for like a, a you know an hour a day or half an hour a day and you know, hundreds of years ago, we were on all fours all the time and running around. And so it's, it is no wonder that we do have to be a bit intentional sometimes with how we approach it. But I do think that if we can understand that, we can then sort of almost reapply the instinctive, you know, movement back into it. Um, Yeah, I think it's pivotal. So, yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I've, I've been seeing a few things recently on Instagram more from doulas in like America um, saying things like that you ne- you don't need to do spinning babies, you don't need to do intentional movement, like babies know how to get into the right position for them. And I obviously agree with that. I do think babies do yep. know how to get into the right position for them. But yeah, our lifestyle is completely different to even how it was like 100 years ago. 
Like, we yeah. had so, like, people will just sit in an office all day, go home, yeah. eat their tea, sit on the sofa and watch Netflix. Like, yeah. how is that? Like, that's not, your baby's end of, just, you're just slumped all the time. And it's not blaming people. We don't know this. It's just how society is. But then it's like, so then it's great if we can, can be intentional about it. It's going to be helpful. Yeah. Of course it is. And I think, like, it's really important. Yeah, I think it's really important to know that it's not about, it's not about blame or stigmatizing, like, yeah. lifestyle. Because, and it doesn't have to be running marathons. I, I don't suggest any of my clients are doing no. that. That's, that's like on another spectrum, right? But um, I, it's about functional, joyful movement. Yeah. You know, it's about learning to love, like, like moving your body. And um, babies do know how to get into the best position. They mm. are clever. They are wise. But we have to we have to give them space. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's, I think everyone, when left alone, almost everyone is able to birth their baby, even without that. But like, this is about optimizing it and making birth a really fun, powerful, efficient experience because it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be miserable. Mm-hmm. Like you can make it better. Um, so I, I always say to people like, um, movement and biomechanics and birth it's it's an intervention right yeah so i as standard you shouldn't need to do that and if i even had have to use biomechanics and birth i make it very clear that you know this is an intervention yeah. but it's more about the prep through pregnancy for me yeah um and if you can do the work and do it then then you can fully let go in labor because you've got the space and yeah yeah a hundred percent and people are people are prepared well not everyone but a lot of people are prepared to do things like hypnobirthing and they'll implement that into their daily routine and it's just it's just another thing to implement you don't have to do it daily if you don't want to but it's just another thing that you can implement into your routine that is gonna it's gonna benefit you yeah during your birth it's also gonna benefit you for your pregnancy like it yeah. does, like it improves people's mental health, it improves their physical well-being. There's so many benefits to including more movement into pregnancy that like even if, you know, maybe your birth would have been fine anyway, you've got nothing to lose yeah. from doing it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and I know that it's hard. Like we live, we do live a really busy life. Like most of us, it's like trying to think like, oh my God, how am I going to find time to yeah. do that? But it doesn't have to be, again, like structured movement. Like some people, that's what they love. But for other people, it's just about just being mindful of, you know, how you sit and thinking about things like just walking. Walking is so underrated. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and just thinking about like how can you add a little bit more in um, to your day-to-day life. And I think some everyone's different. For me, being prescriptive, I've always worked well with that. So I like to have a structure of – you know do these things and you'll get a better outcome but you know you can be fluid with it too yeah 100 percent. and so so you said like yeah so that was your sort of redemptive bath and that honestly that story was just incredible like it gave me goosebumps so many times it just you just it sounds like you did amazing and you it just it struck me that yeah the movement but also do you feel like it was also just that sort of like almost radical responsibility for your bath like it just sounds like you had so much in it trust in your body in this bath and you just knew yeah Definitely. And in, in everything, I think that it's just correlates so much with postpartum and my ability to parent as well. Yeah. So with having those births, 
are just it's without them like I was so unwell man like so unwell after those cesareans like my mental health was an absolute shit show yeah. <laughs> um, and you know I targeted that with everything from holistic to like medicine whatever but what actually like sorted me out was with, with those births yeah. um, and there's a huge huge connection between how we birth and how we function as parents beyond and in a, into our postpartum which is forever yeah um so yeah like breastfeeding again like I'm still receiving my eight I don't, know, I don't know how old she is now she's like 18 <laughs> or 19 months old <laughs> um and it was it, it was effortless I say that so the first breastfeeding journey was really a challenge as was that birth I had to work really hard for it yeah. and then my fourth like the home birth the, the second home birth was effortless and then the breastfeeding journey was effortless yeah and yeah it's all tied it's all tied into itself yeah a hundred percent it definitely is all tied into it and it's actually there's like there's lots of research on it as well isn't there like there's lots of research on how you birth and how that does impact your parenthood and how I was reading something recently how there's actual this research about how people who have had um really long stressful inductions then find that they cope with parenting like it's harder for them how they deal with their their babies and they report that their babies are more fractious and they cry more and they sleep less and stuff like that but actually what the research has found is that the babies don't it's just the way that the mothers perceive it is different to the way that mothers who have had joyful birth experiences perceive their babies who probably are exactly as fractious and cry and don't sleep because babies don't sleep (laughs) absolutely i said this i submit with a client this week who said this she was like my baby's been so good like I've just found it like oh, this baby's amazing and I said no dude I said you put so much work in and you had this um birth experience where you were in control and you you know in fact it ended in a cesarean but she she was so in control and in her power and um all of her postpartum has reflected that I said it's, it's not that you don't your baby is a baby man like it's I've looked yeah. at how often <laughs> Up. It's, it's you know he doesn't sleep a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your perception of this is that he is a good baby and that's because you've had this birth experience that has been po- largely positive for you and you've really leaned into planning for your postpartum as well which is important yeah so important. yeah 100 percent. no thank you so much for sharing that yeah it was it's a really incredible story and then so did that is did that i will let you go in a minute because we've been chatting for so long but i just wanted to ask is that what led you to birth like then or had you had so you hadn't done birth like before that or had you so yeah i've been um I, after i had my first daughter it's when i knew i sort of had that knowing that that's what i was going to do um and i started dabbling in it and uh, it wasn't until after um, I had indeed that I really took the jump to go out of my full-time work to do it um, because that was scary. But, yeah, so so I've been doing it for a little while now and, yeah, really loving it, um, but also trying to balance toddlers at home. And it's <laughs> chaos. Yeah, it's probably not, like, easier. <laughs> it's not easier. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a delicate um, balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah you can relate <laughs> absolutely yeah I'm just yeah the less said about it the better at the minute <laughs> yeah, I'm like but... I mean, it'll it'll at some point it'll be like an even pain it'll just balance out where it's like the work and the parenting is just equally easy but at the minute it's like one bit's easy the other bit's stressful then that bit comes a bit easier yeah. the <laughs> other bit gets more stressful <laughs> I was always told that you know if 
something stressful then balance it by the other bit being good but um yeah. it's a season isn't it mm. and it's yeah. hard to, like get that balance right and figure out you don't want to wish it away because it's amazing exactly yeah and I think that that kind of like that even ties in with the bear stuff is just acceptance like you, like you said, like you had to accept that you had long labours and that bits of it were going to be like this. And I think it's the same with parenting. You have to accept that every season is going to be completely different. And um, and I, I talk about this on Instagram all the time, is that like I don't believe that motherhood is inherently hard at all. And I don't like that narrative around it. I really don't feel like it is. But I feel like I've, I'm in that place because I accept that there's going to be hard bits. And I just, I, well, I'll just let those bits wash over. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, like you have to, eh? otherwise you will, it is like a slippery slope to not being very well. Yeah, (laughs) and just hating every minute and being like, what have I done? I completely agree though, it's so interesting the amount of people who, you know, you get those comments like, oh my gosh, you've got your hands full, and oh, you've had another one, wow, four, that's so crazy, and they always look really surprised when I say that I love it. Yeah, like I chose to have four children. People act like you didn't choose to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just interesting. People are always really gobsmacked by that, and I think that narrative is like it is. It needs to change, doesn't it? Because it is a bit of a crutch um, to, you know, it's okay to celebrate it. Like you almost get made to feel guilty for saying that you enjoy. Yeah, enjoy I'm like, I love it. Yeah, it's stressful, and sometimes I'm like, yeah, I could probably sleep for a week, but I absolutely love it. Like literally every day. It's like it's not. It shouldn't be like a weird thing to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's just because everyone's yeah not on everyone's unsupported and exactly. there's, there's a society in it it's not like I understand why people find it hard but yeah I do think that um acceptance is the like greatest tool for pregnancy birth and parenthood yep and also just being able to ask for support mm. because like we need a village like you do need a village and whether that's like family or if you just create your own village through and, and other ways like you, you've got to have that support eh? and if for me like you know postpartum doula was great because we didn't have close family you know so yeah. just however you need to format format um yeah yeah it's going to look different for everybody and it, it right. doesn't matter it doesn't matter you don't have to have you know, yeah, not everyone's going to have that incredible family of, like, your mum, all the aunties, the cousins, the sisters, like, it's, yeah. yeah, it's unrealistic for the majority of us. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you, right, I will let you go now, because, yeah, we've been chatting for over an hour, but before you do, do you want to share where people can find you, if you've got anything coming up, how people can work with you, uh, things like that? <laughs> yeah, so, um, I, um, um, I am on Instagram loosely, um, I need to be on Instagram more actually, but, um, yeah, I, so I'm, I birth to beyond with number two, um, for Instagram, um, and yeah, anyone who's interested in like how they can use movement or introduce movement, um, or especially be back or home birth after cesarean parents, that's kind of like my real passion. Yeah. Um, I'm working with a mum and actually a doula colleague at the moment who's um, planning her home birth after cesarean for January, which is so exciting. exciting. So, but yeah, um, please, yeah, anyone that's interested in that sort of stuff, I'm always keen to talk their ears off. And do that. you work virtually as well? So like I on do, Zoom yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So I'll put all your links and everything in the show notes so people can go and find you there too. <laughs> thanks for having me I've loved talking about it oh no thank you so much for coming on it's like a genuinely really incredible story so thank you for sharing thank you